in just a Well, hey, church, it is great to be back with you again this week. I was gone last week, but I'm glad to be back this week. Uh, we're continuing our series in order to form a more perfect talking about Christian citizenship. And what does the Bible teach us about how to live in the world? Uh, before I jump into that, a couple of updates. Um, we're in the middle of this project. Uh, it's our 150th birthday this year. We've got a lot of stuff going on. You heard about the 5K. Get, start getting in shape for that. Get registered for that right away. Uh, we're also getting, we've got some birthday presents, not to us, but from us to the world on behalf, in the name of Christ. Uh, the way that works is uh, we're just going to give away as many birthday presents as we can. We kind of got, give, we're, we're, we, we got three presents at a time. And when, we're, when we've paid for those presents, we'll give them away. And then we'll give the next three presents. So we're working on the first three right now. Uh, we've been doing it for only about three or four weeks. We've got it there about halfway paid for. So if that's something you want to do, help us give our first set of three birthday presents. We'll give those as soon as they're ready. And then we'll give the next ones. Uh, so maybe that's something you want to help with. I want to give you an update. Uh, if, you follow, if you get our prayer emails or you heard last week from John, a little update on my folks. Uh, my dad is out of the hospital and recovering well. Uh, my mom has transitioned from the hospital to rehab, and she starts uh, her treatments on Friday. So keep them in uh, your prayers. If you see me wearing masks, I'm going back to that. That's no political statement. Everybody chill. I just, uh, part of what's going on with my mom, you know, is immuno stuff. And so I just got to be extra careful right now so that I can stay a part of that. I want to thank John for preaching last week. Uh, he found out about that pretty close to Sunday and just knocked it out of the park, moving our series forward. Uh, so great job. If you missed it, go back and listen to it. His daughter even got in on the action. She did a fantastic job as well. I love the fact that we got a lot of great preachers in this church and we're committed to training uh, the next generation of preachers at uh, this church. You see, we, we try and keep young people in the pulpit as well because uh, we care about that. Uh, speaking of great preachers, I am so pumped about the next sermon series we've got coming. I want to tell you a little bit about it. It's called Greatest Hits, and it's going to be a short, just a four-week series of messages from some of the great preachers from this church. Uh, one of the projects I've been doing as part of this 150th is going back in our church archives, in some family archives from church members, and in the archives over at Milligan, reading some of the sermons of some of the preachers from the history of this church. And we're gonna, we got a series that starts next week. Uh, the first two sermons are going to be from William Sweeney. He was the preacher here from 1920 till 1928. And dude, that guy was a great preacher. So we're going to bring two of his sermons back. Uh, the third sermon is going to be from Joe Dampier. He was here in the 50s and early 60s. We're going to bring one sermon from him. And then the third sermon was from all the way back in the, I mean the fourth sermon, all the way back in the 90s, which is a long time ago, uh, from Don Jeans, who was our minister here in the 90s. It's going to be great. I, I tell you, I have loved prepping for this series, and you're going to love the series. In fact, you're going to love it so much, you'll probably make us do it again, uh, because these are great. It's going to be a lot of fun. But today, we're going to finish 
uh, this series in order to form a more perfect dot, dot, dot. This line uh, from the United States Constitution. I love this line. It's the perfect mix of humility and hope. Right? Humility. Not in order to form a perfect union. Just, just more perfect. They weren't kidding themselves. They would get it right the first try, you know. But also hope. They were going to try and make it more perfect. They were going to try and make it better than it already was. And that's sort of the attitude with which we approach this series, right? Humility. We're not going to get it right all the time. We're not going to be perfect at this. But also hope. We think that if we kind of submit to God's word, we could actually bless the world around us. We could actually make a difference in our world. And we're kind of asking this one big, important question. What does God's word teach us about Christian citizenship? How do we live in this world as followers of Christ, but also a part of the nation's of this world. We on purpose are are doing this series during a non-election year. That was on purpose. We've been planning this for a long time because we want to focus on what do we learn about citizenship from God's word, not what do we learn from the latest political rally or the latest editorial column or the latest opinion piece. This isn't about any election or any politician. It's about Jesus Christ and how do we live in submission to Jesus Christ. Uh, We're learning mostly uh, from a prophet named Jeremiah who wrote a letter about how to live as citizens of the world uh, 2,600 years ago, uh, plus or minus a little bit. And what we're discovering is that all of his advice rests on this sort of foundational theological claim. And sort of nothing he has to teach makes sense if you don't understand this kind of foundational truth. And that's this theological claim. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. The nations of this world are not our true kingdom. The kings of this world are not our true kings. Now, Jeremiah doesn't have to say much about this when he writes his letter because they knew they weren't at home. They were exiles in Babylon. They'd been kidnapped by the Babylonian army, defeated in war, and dragged across the desert to the city of Babylon to build their homes and live their lives in a foreign land under a foreign government under, uh, ruled by their very enemies. They knew that this world was not their home. And and to them, he he delivered some good news. The good news is God will eventually rescue God's people and take them back to their home. But Jeremiah also delivered some bad news. The bad news was the timing from that rescue was going to be about 70 years. In fact, he says, don't listen to the liars who say you're only going to be in exile for a little while. This is, he says, I know the plans I have for you. And the plan is you're going to be there 70 years. 
and you'll raise kids and grandkids and maybe great-grandkids if you get busy, right? You know, you could, you could have a lot of kids in 70 years. He says, I, I want you to know you're going to be here a little while. And I want you to know this world is not your home. And you see that underlying theological truth that they already knew when they got Jeremiah's letter, that's true for us too. We're going to be here a little while, but this world is not our home. We actually, we know this truth just from human experience, don't we? Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in our hearts. C.S. Lewis reflects on that and notices that just every human being has a longing for eternity, a longing to live beyond themselves, a longing to have an impact beyond their lifespan, and yet we're all finite beings. You know, why is that, that we all long for eternity, yet we are so fragile and finite? He says, well, that's because we know in our bones that we aren't made for this world, that we belong to an eternal world and we have an e eternal home. We know this truth from experience. I got to spend some time this last couple weeks sitting with my mom in a hospital room as we waited for 15 oncologists to show up and give us some news. In that moment, you've got a, you've got a pretty clear awareness. This world is not our home. We were just visiting. We're going to be here a little while, but it's not our home. And then that, that truth, but, but even beyond our experience, the Bible just says this all over the place. All over the place. The Bible reminds us this. Uh, Paul wrote a letter to the church in, in Philippi. Now they, they felt pretty good about where they lived. They were not in exile. They were citizens of Rome. The sons and daughters of Roman soldiers living in land they had conquered, one of the principal cities of the region. They were important people living in an important town. And yet Paul still writes to them, our citizenship is in heaven, not in Philippi. And from heaven we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. He says, we've got a king. It's Jesus. We've got an emperor. It's Jesus, not Caesar. We've got a kingdom. It's Christ's kingdom, not the Roman Empire. We've got a home. It's with Christ, not in Philippi. This world is not our home. Jesus affirms this truth. At his trial before Pilate, Pilate's so confused. The, the word on the street was that Jesus was a king. And he's like, well, if you're, if you're a king, where's your army? Why aren't you putting up a fight? Why are you just standing there, not defending yourself? And this is what Jesus says. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, well, yeah, my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. He says, yeah, if this were my home, if this was where I was building a kingdom, if this was where my rule was to be expressed, well, yeah, I'd gather an army and I'd fight a war and I'd win. He says, but, but this world is not 
our home. And, and, and this is the thing. To understand what Jeremiah is teaching us, what God's Word is teaching us about Christian citizenship, we've just kind of got to have this as our baseline. This world is not our home. Because the people Jeremiah wrote to, they knew it. They were very clear. Every time they walked out the front door, they looked around a city that was strange to them, to a land that was strange to them, and they knew this world was not their home. And so with that kind of foundation, here's what Jeremiah, here's the advice Jeremiah gives that I I think is still God's advice to us for how do we live as citizens in the world. This is what he says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel... Oh, I'm sorry. For those of you who want to follow along, this is Jeremiah 29. Uh, If you've got a Bible, you can turn to it or uh, maybe Google it on your phone, Jeremiah 29, if you want to. Okay. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and daughters and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So, we already talked, uh, we've we kind of been going through in this series, we've been going through that text backwards is what we've been doing. And so we talked first about that ending part. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city. And we just recognize that this is crazy talk, right? The city in question is Babylon, the capital city of their sworn enemies, that just conquered them and killed their sons and daughters, their mothers and fathers, and dragged them across the desert. And he says, seek the good of that city. And this is, this is what Christian citizenship looks like, right? We seek the good of all. If you want to spend some time with this, go back and listen to the message from two weeks ago. We seek the good of all, not just the good of a few. We seek the good of everyone, even our enemies, not just the good of our friends. We seek the good of whatever place we find ourselves in, even if it doesn't seek our good. And then then we kind of work backwards. And last week, John talked about that, that part in the middle. Plant gardens, get married, have kids, build houses, live in them. And we talked about how the simple, the simple acts of life, if we imbue them with our values as followers of God, they become a way of blessing the world. You know, uh, plant a garden and share the food with your neighbors. Fight for your marriage and raise kids in the knowledge of the Lord. And that those things themselves are ways of contributing and blessing the world. And then this week, I just want to talk about the, the very first sentence of the text. Sort of the, um, the, the greeting of the text. Uh, and and, and there's, there's not even much to it, but, but I, I think we're going to get a lot out of it. Here, here's, what, here's what Jeremiah says. He says, this is what... The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And a couple of things to notice about that. Kind of the most obvious is who the message is from. Jeremiah says, this isn't my message for you. This is God's message for you. This is God's strategy for how to live in the world. But the thing I mainly want to zero in on is what he calls them. Who the message is for. Who the message is 
for? Who, the, who, who is getting this message? He says it's for the exiles that God sent to Babylon. They're exiles, and God put them there. there there's a little bit of a paradox in that identification that I need you to notice. The first thing he says is, you're exiles. That means you're out of place. You don't fit in. You don't belong there. You're from somewhere else. You belong somewhere else. You're in the place you don't fit in. And the next thing he says is that God put you there. Which means you don't fit in, but you're exactly where God wants you to be. You're from a different place, and you're going to a different place, but you're in the place where God has work for you to do. Your allegiance is somewhere else. Your Lord is somewhere else. But the work for you to do, the life you're going to live, is in the place where God put you. Isn't that crazy? They don't fit in, but they're right where God put them. They don't belong, but they're right where God wants them to be. They feel out of place, but God says, I got stuff for you to do right here where you don't even feel like you're supposed to be. Isn't that crazy? Find yourself in a place you're pretty sure you're not supposed to be, and God says, I got work for you to do anyway. This has some implications. Just this little description has some implications. They're exiles. That's Jeremiah's way of saying, don't become Babylonians. He says, I know you're going to be there 70 years. If you're not careful, you'll just become just like the Babylonians, and you'll think like the Babylonians, and talk like the Babylonians, and worship like the Babylonians, and everything else just like the Babylonians. But no, no, no. Don't forget your exiles. You are exiles waiting to go home. You are from a different place. You're going to a different place. This is not your place. On the other hand, don't forget that God put you there which means you have good work to do. You have things to accomplish in God's name for God's glory because you're going to be here a while, right? You're going to be here for, for two or three generations even. And God has good work for you to do. And, and this paradox, you're exiles, you don't fit in, but you're right where God wants you. That paradox is the foundation of everything the Bible teaches about Christian citizenship. Not just Jeremiah. It's oh, whenever the Bible approaches how do we live in the world, it's always with this paradox. You don't fit in and you're right where God wants you. And, and we, boy, we don't want both those things to be true at the same time. We, we take either one, but, it's so, but you don't fit in, you're right where God wants you. Uh, in the New Testament, First uh, Peter he writes a letter to some people that were in a similar situation with some advice for how to live in the world. This is uh, 1 Peter 2.9. He says this, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he's like saying, you've got a home. 
You've got a nation. You've got a people. You are God's people. You are part of Christ's kingdom, and your home is with Jesus. He says, that's, that's your, don't forget your real home. You've got it. Don't forget Jerusalem, just like what Jeremiah would say. And Peter is saying, don't forget Jesus. But that's not where you live right now. He goes on. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners, uh, that means a, a person who lives temporarily somewhere, someone who lives for a little while somewhere. I urge you as sojourners and exiles, that means that's somebody who isn't where they belong. They've been, they're, they're, they've been sent away from where they really belong. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be... Imp- no, see, notice that. He says, be subject for the Lord's sake. He said, don't forget who your king is. You only have one king. Your king is Jesus. But because your king is Jesus, sure, go ahead and obey the local rulers. Yeah, yeah. For the, for the sake of Jesus, be subject to the human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, but not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor." Now, see, it's important to know that the people Peter wrote to were in a very similar situation to the Jews who were in exile in Babylon. Uh, The recipients of 1 Peter were also persecuted in the cities where they lived. They also lived in cities where they could be punished for their faith. They also lived in places where there was a lot of pressure for them to fit in and to no longer live as exiles, but instead just kind of become one with everybody else. They were also ruled by their enemies, uh, just like the exiles were in Babylon, and they were hated for their faith. But even with all that, look, look at the advice, the citizenship advice that Peter gives them. This is the will of God. This is verse 15, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. I love this strategy, right? Like they're going to Peter, Peter, how are we going to fight back against our enemies? We, we need some way, Peter, to fight back against the people who say all this bad stuff about us. And Peter's like, I've got it. We're going to do just what the exiles did in Babylon. We're going to do good to them. And you can just read the answer. Like, what? No. No, no. You misunderstood the question. We're asking, how do we fight against the world when the world hates us for our faith? Or how do we fight against the world when we feel like we don't fit in? On the days that we feel like exiles, Peter, how do we fight against the place that does not accept us? And he's like, we're going to do good. Just like they did. Just like Jeremiah said, seek the good of the city. The city that is the capital of your enemies. The city that just kidnapped you. The city that killed your families. Seek their good. That's what Peter says. I mean, this is crazy, the advice he gives. He says, live like you're free. But not free to do evil, of course. Free to serve God. 
Honor everyone, he says. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. And this, is, of course, is crazy talk, right? Right? This is crazy talk. The emperor was awful. A little side note here. If the Christians of the first century could give honor to Nero, then you can honor the president of the United States no matter who it is. Whether it's this one that you think is the worst, or the last one that you think is the worst, or the one before that, or the one before that, or you're still pretty sure the worst president was Fillmore or something, whatever. You know, whoever you think the worst is, if they could honor Nero, you can give honor. I'm not saying you got to agree with them. Maybe it was Peter. It's crazy. But for all of this, what we got to catch is the foundation. Like, I don't want to skip. The details matter. Love your enemies matters. Do good to those who persecute you matters. But it's the foundation on which it's built that I got to catch. Because the foundation for Peter is this same foundation that it was for Jeremiah. His foundation is you are exiles. You're from another kingdom and you are bound for another home. But in the present moment, you are right where God put you. You don't belong here, and God sent you here. You don't fit in here, and you're in exactly the right place. Listen to what he says. Don't take my word for it. Look back at the text. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they're going to come up with so much stuff to say about you and then they'll look at your life and all they'll be able to do, he says, is praise God. And that's awesome. We've got to get these two words in our head. Sojourners. That just means someone who lives in the land temporarily. That's what a sojourner is. Someone who lives, a temporary resident, right? Like, or somebody who's here on a green card, we might say. They're not a citizen, but they're here for a while. Exiles. That's people who are in a country that is not their own. They're in a place that is not their home. And that is exactly our situation. We are sojourners. Just like the Babylonians. Jeremiah, what did he say? You'll be there around 70 years, give or take. That's true of us. You'll be here around 70 years, give or take. Some tragically, a lot less, and some a little more. But for most of us, around 70 years, you're sojourners. You're from somewhere else. You're heading somewhere else. Don't get too attached. But you're also exiles. You've got another home. You're from somewhere. You're going somewhere. And this is the secret to effective Christian citizenship. It's, it's taught consistently all throughout Scripture. It's the basis for Jeremiah's advice. It's the basis for Peter's advice. And the lesson for us is exactly the same as the lesson was for the Babylonian exiles, as the lesson was for the persecuted Christians that Peter wrote to. Number one, stay exiles. Don't blend in so much that you fit in. You're not from here. You're not supposed to fit in around here. No king on this earth is your king. No nation of this earth is your nation. We should always be just a little nervous. Here's something that should make you nervous, okay? 
if your opinions and attitudes line up more closely with any political party of this world than they do with Jesus, you should be a little nervous. If you fit in better with some contemporary protest movement, whether it's on the left or the right, if you fit in better with some contemporary protest movement than you do with the disciples of Christ, you should be a little nervous. Oh, here's one. If your ideas, if the way you think about the world is more influenced by Fox News or CNN or, heaven forbid, your Facebook feed, if it's more influenced by that on a daily basis, that's a more profound influence on how you think than God's Word is, you should be a little nervous. You might be starting to live like a Babylonian. Jeremiah says, don't forget, you're going to be here a long time. We should be able to tell the difference between God's people and the Babylonians. Don't forget your exile." Just here's a little gut check for you. Maybe God's spirit wants to nudge you a little bit in the ribs. Think about this question. How do I, how do you treat your enemies? Do you treat them like everybody else treats their enemies? Or do you treat them like Jesus treated his enemies? You still living like an exile? Do you still live like your true kingdom is Christ's kingdom, your true home is with Christ? Or are you starting to fit in with the Babylonians? How do you think about the poor and racial justice? How do you think about marriage and sexuality? How do you, how do you think about life and the preciousness of life? Do you fit in? Do you think about it the same way everybody around you thinks about it? Same way the people on Facebook think about it? Or have you anchored your, rooted your thinking about that in God's Word, in the example of Jesus? I'm just, just wondering, you know, because Jeremiah says, don't forget your exiles. You're not supposed to fit in. You should feel a little out of step. You know? How do you think about the hungry or the homeless? Oh, here's a good one. How do you think about the future? Everybody around you like, ah, it's all turning awful. Everything's going to be awful. Do you get caught up in that? Because Jesus Christ declares that is nonsense. He says it's going to all end up wonderful. So, I mean, I'm just curious, how do you think about the future? Is it based on today's paper or God's promise? Because exiles, no, Jeremiah says, the, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans to give you a hope and a future. Yes, the next 70 years are going to be pretty bad. But after that, that's what Jeremiah says. So, so are you still living like an exile when you think about the future of this world? Do you know who holds it? What about when you think about politics? You still living like an exile, you know? You know, every, 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 all the Babylonians think politics is the most important thing going. That's how we're going to save the world is elect the right person, put the right person in office. It's easy to think that way when everybody around you thinks that way. It's just that Jesus never said anything like that. How do you, how do you think about that? 
Maybe that is the part of the letter Jeremiah wrote that, you, that the God's Spirit's just kind of nudging you to pay attention to. No earthly nation is your true nation. No earthly home is your true home. No earthly city is your true city. No earthly Lord is your true Lord. No earthly prince is your true prince. No earthly king is your true king. No earthly party is your true party. Your Lord is Christ. Your kingdom is Christ's kingdom. Your home is at Christ's side. And you're just going to be here a little while. 70 years, give or take. Stay exiles, Jeremiah says to him. Stay exiles, Peter said. Still true for us. The second side of this, of course, is just as important. This is the paradox, remember? You don't fit in, but you're right where you're supposed to be. And that's the second part. Stay sojourners. Acknowledge the fact. You're going to be here a little while. And you might, your kids might be here a while. Your grandkids might be here a while. Your great-grandkids might be here a while. So bless the place God put you. Uh, my grandmother, Gail Phillips, I went to this church for a while, back a long time ago. Some of you might have known her. Some of you old-timers. Um, uh, she loved to take us camping uh, when we were kids. Uh, and, but she had this one thing that just drove us all crazy. First thing when we arrived at the campsite, before we set up a tent or lit a fire, before we even gathered wood or sang a camp song, she would get out trash bags and make us walk around the whole campsite and out into the woods nearby, sometimes even into the next campsite over, so we could pick up all the trash, the cans and the styrofoam and the little plastic forks that other people had left behind. We would protest. Why? We're only going to be here three days. Well, that's why, she would say. We're going to be here for three days. I don't want to spend three days surrounded by other people's trash. We had to admit that sort of made sense. But then, at the end of the three days, she did something even worse. Those of you who knew her, you're going to think less of her after I tell you what she did. After we put out the fire and after we put up all the tents and after we sang the last song, she had more trash bags. She would give us all trash bags again. And she would say, okay, go pick up all the trash you can find from the same piece of land. Why? We would protest. We're getting ready to leave. What do we care if there's trash here? And she would say, well, that's why. We're getting ready to leave. And we're going to leave this place better than we found it. You're a sojourner. You've got 70 years, more or less. Leave the place better than you found it. The last two sermons in this series were where we kind of focused on being sojourners. Blessing the city to which God brought us, even if it's not the city we wish we were in, even if it's the city of our enemies. Planting gardens we talked about. 
We talked about fighting for your marriage. And I will just say, I know COVID has done a number on marriages. I know it has. And and a lot of you are in marriages right now. You're like, I don't know. I'm telling you, you fight for it. You absolutely can save your marriage. If you got two people willing to fight, that's a marriage you can save. You get help, you fight for it. If you need my help, I'll help you. Don't give up right now on your marriage. Raise your kids. You're not going to be here very long. So pick up your trash. Pick up the trash left before you. Leave the world better than you found it. Bless the city even when the city treats you like you aren't worth blessing. Honor everyone, even the emperor. This is the consistent call of Christian citizenship. You are a sojourner. You're a visiting resident. So while you're here, seek the good of the whole city. Work for its blessing, not just your own, but for everyone. Look out for those you're inclined to ignore. But while you're here, don't forget you're in exile. Don't give your allegiance to the kings and kingdoms of this world. For your allegiance is with Christ. Don't invest so heavily in the little temporary home you build here on earth that you forget to invest in the home you'll live in forever. Don't tie yourself so deeply to the the habits you will develop and the pleasures of this place you'll spend a little time in that you sacrifice and compromise the pleasures you were made for and the joys God created you to experience. The details you can read about. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Seek the good of all. Plant a garden and share your tomatoes. The foundation is simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. We are sojourners here for a little while. And we are exiles. Our first and only kingdom, our first and only king is Christ. And the home we were made for is with him. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. May we hear what it teaches to us today.